Hey, everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, we got a great show for you, like I always say, because you know what? Everyone would bring on. We got Erin Enderlin coming on. She's done some great things. In fact, she was 2018 CMT Next Women of Country. And I'm sure she's really proud of that, which we'll talk about that later in the show. But anyway, Erin, are you here? I'm here. Thanks so much for having me today. It's our pleasure. And oh, thank you for how being are you here. Doing? <laughs> you know, I always like to start with the big elephant in the room. So how are you doing through COVID? You know, it's been challenging. Um, I feel really blessed. I, you know, I'm in a position where I don't have to worry about uh, being able to have a place to live and eat and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, I really hate to complain about anything. I mean, Obviously, it's been tough. I feel like so much of the hardest part is mental uh, for me to get in the right frame of Mm -hmm. mind, especially with being creative, like trying to write and things right now. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to get your brain in that spot because it wants to keep going back to to that big elephant in the room. But, you know, in some ways it's been really good. I've been touring so hard the last couple years. I haven't been able to focus on um, some of the other parts of it. So I've mm-hmm. been writing more. I actually learned how to – I've got logic a year ago, but I had been – we were talking about technology before the show started. And, I, you know, technology is amazing. It does great stuff. I'm still – though, it, you know, sometimes I'm a little slow to adapt. And I finally, <laughs> when they <laughs> shut down and everything started, I was like, okay, you have no excuses. you got to learn how to do this. So I can record guitar uh-huh. vocals at home now, which is amazing. And, oh, wow. Um, oh, great. Then get into – Read and write, and mm-hmm. so. I love that. And you know, when when all this first happened, I remember when we first started the show in January. Our our original plan was eighty to one hundred interviews first year. That was kind of our plan. That was where we were going. We thought that would be a really big deal if we could do eighty to one hundred interviews first year. And mm-hmm. then COVID. And when COVID yeah. shut everything down, I told I told Sandy. You know, this may be our time to shine because mm-hmm. all these artists need a place to talk. We're going to give them that platform, and we're going to bump up um, our work ethic on this and just do as many as we can so that we can get these artist stories out there. And because of that, not only have we built the foundation of this show, which is really crazy, we did it in the middle of a crisis – but you're now our 181st interview. We could have never imagined doing that many even in the first year, much less first seven months. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> so, you know, what else do we have to do, right? I mean. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like to start out light a little bit before we really dig deep. What are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? And I bet you probably found some new ones since the shutdown. Yeah, well, you know, for one thing, I kind of almost considered music in two different uh, aspects. One as a job and uh-huh. one still as a hobby because yeah. I love watching music. I mm-hmm. love listening to new music, and I love the history. I love the history of, of country music in particular. I uh, actually worked as a tour guide over at the Country Music Hall of Fame um, oh, wow. for a while and uh, worked at the Opry in different places. So I love learning about those different things and learning about it's really interesting to me, which I want to delve more into it, but it's so different Mm -hmm. when I I went to school at MTSU 
And uh, one of the professors there who's highly known in country music journalism, Charles Wolf, taught a course on mm-hmm. kind of history with music. So it's interesting oh, to wow. me to look at songs that maybe you've listened to, but you never listened to it in that context. Like, well, uh-huh. what's different about this song? What Was this technology just coming out? Was this going on in the world? Huh. Was, you know, this movie was popular that year, different things that maybe give you a different <laughs> perspective on music. Um, kind of like the music you grow up with and things that you get to experience in that context. Yeah, I definitely understand Mm -hmm. that. That's really cool. And I drink entirely too much coffee. Um, (laughs) I'm with you there. So that's that's a hobby. In fact, fact, Panera has that $9 a month unlimited coffee plan. I'm on it. Oh, whoa. That's good. Panera is one of my favorite (laughs) places on the road because – and the you way always, it works, you 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 can't get mm-hmm. you can't go in more than every two hours. So you can actually go in right. multiple times a day. You can. I love that plan. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good deal. Good deal. You know what? Yeah, you know, if you do five cups in a month from Panera, well, you just paid for it. Yeah. So you know, and and I wasn't, and I mostly drink coffee at home, but with. But they offered us a free one month trial, and we we're like, they oh, did. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Well, well now yeah. it's like, okay, every time I turn around, if we're passing the Panera, oh, let's go get a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of a weirdo because uh, I like iced coffee. So I do my own cold uh-huh. brew at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, but I'm one of those weirdos, you know, I'll be wearing my jacket inside in the winter, still drinking iced coffee because. Speaking of that, my next question kind of goes along that thing, not being a weirdo that is, um, but what do you feel so, is quirky about you? Uh, everything. <laughs> I love um, that answer. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I guess another hobby of mine would be I love, like, science fiction and all that kind of stuff. Like, I was a Trekkie <laughs> yeah. growing up. You know, we we never ate in front of the TV unless it was the night that Star Trek was on. Uh, and then, yeah. <laughs> um, so I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess it's probably not that quirky because I think a lot of artists are this way, but I'm kind of an introverted extrovert, which mm-hmm. is kind of hard sometimes because sometimes it's hard <laughs> for me if I meet somebody to make that small talk and they're probably like, man, I, I don't know. She's not super personally to talk to. I can't believe she gets up in front of all these people, but then I can get in front of a, a couple thousand people and sing a song, you know, yeah. Yeah. about having a problem, which is, which is kind of funny. But that's okay. like, I know a motivational speaker who gets up on stage in front of 20,000 people and he can just mm-hmm. lay it on. And you think he's got this outgoing personality. When he comes off that stage, he goes to his room. That's it. He don't want to talk to nobody. Yep. He's like he he was like I just don't want to be around people for the most part because I can be around people for a certain amount of time, but I need my space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different ways to fill well. So as we dig a little deeper here, um, tell everybody a little bit of where you're from and kind of your backstory. You know, take a couple minutes to kind of tell us where you're from and a brief overview of you. Yeah, I'm from Arkansas. Um, I was born in Little Rock, and I grew up mainly in Conway, that's just outside of Little Rock. And um, it's man, it's grown so much now. I hardly can find my way around oh, well. town. But 
um, when I was growing up, I lived a couple of blocks from downtown, and it was the quintessential, you know, small town Norman Rockwell kind of thing mm-hmm. where, you know, we went to church with a guy who owned a grocery store downtown, and we'd drive, ride our bikes down there, and he'd let us get little gum packages that used to come in the little milk cartons. So, like, that was our, me and my brother's favorite. Um, and, you know, just ride your bike all over and, and do that kind of thing. Um, and I grew up, I, I don't really remember a time that I wasn't lo- in love with music and especially country music. Oh, wow. Um, I, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house and, uh, my parents instilled a love of music to me too. I had a record player growing up. I had the Fisher Price record player and record, oh, that yeah. was my first, I might be telling my age, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh. But my grandpa's records, I really just got into, and it was, I I was definitely a grandpa's girl. He would come home from Mm -hmm. work. I wasn't allowed to listen to his records while he's at work, uh, because I might scratch them. And the whole thing is just like the kind of romanticized, you know, picking out the record you want and dusting it off and putting the needle (laughs) down and everything. I loved it. Oh, wow. And uh, You just fell in love with music from day one. Yeah. Uh, my parents told me that they went down to this restaurant, uh, the Cock of the Walk, in Little Rock mm-hmm. when I was about three years old, and there was a older gentleman playing blues up there, and they weren't watching me for a second, and I ran up and stole the microphone and started entertaining oh, them. Okay. <laughs> this guy's show. Now, that's funny. I love yeah. that story. And it looked too thin. <laughs> I couldn't get away with it now. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, just, uh, I loved music uh-huh. from the start and um, grew up. I have a brother and a sister, and um, I, you know, I've done things a little bit different in some ways. I went to boarding school in high school, which is <laughs> uh, maybe super common. Um, That's true, but it was. It was awesome. Uh, in the South, they have these uh, math and science schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got to go and just kind of have a different different experience of learning with that. And we also had a folk music and acoustics class. And um, that's – well, I started writing in elementary school. I was that weird kid that in fourth grade I'd go in a music class every week and I'd bring a song that I wrote. And all my Friends would look at me like I had two heads. <laughs> so they were like, well, we just thought we were singing America the Beautiful today, you know, and doing our thing. Um, but they they humored me. They humored me. They let yeah. me do it. And, uh, so you paved your way all through your life, basically. You've had to pave that way. Yeah, I hate to be kind of one-dimensional, but uh, I definitely have had other loves and done other things, but... You know, I played a lot of sports. I was terrible at sports, so I'm about as athletic as a vacuum cleaner. So, um, uh, but it didn't stop me from trying. Uh, yeah. And uh, enjoyed other things, but music has always really been a kind of center point for want. me. And yeah. And that kind of leads uh, us perfect into into the next little part of it, where we talk about. You know, you know, you know, a lot of people, they talk about the highs of music, the glory, but they don't talk about the grind, the sacrifices. And on our show, we like to show both sides because I think that the public has a misconception 
of music and musicians. So they think, oh, it's all fun and glory. And yes, you have fun, but it's probably more grind and sacrifice than anything. And people don't realize it. So I always like to, and I'll tell a little story that help lead us into where I want that to go. <clears throat> Back in 2014, we interviewed Alice and Steele from Two Steel Girls. And at that time, they were full time on music. And the question I, mm-hmm. one of the questions I asked Allison was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? And she said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and just keep music as a hobby. She said, because the day you want it to be a career, everything has a change. She says, your life is almost not your own anymore. It says, says that your friends and relatives will never understand because they invite you to weddings and and holidays and weekends, but you have that's your best times of gigging, you know. So you're and you can't just mm-hmm. say no to a gig because it's not just your gig. When you set a gig, there's nine, ten, twenty people who are depending on that. So you can't just yeah. say no, and they don't understand it. They think you can just say back out for that one event, but you can't do that. And then you know, and then there's days where you just feel miserable. But if you got a gig, <laughs> you got to get up and smile and put on that front for those fans because they want to escape. It's not supposed to be your escape. They're there to hear you so they can escape. So you have to, there's so many sacrifices. The family has to sacrifice. She says, but then she added, she says, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because the only way those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's go on that side of it a little bit. I mean, I, I definitely think I think part of the reason that the the public doesn't see that as much is that's part of our job. You know, we're yeah. we're the entertainers. Mm-hmm. Um, we help you escape your life a little bit uh, for a few minutes <laughs> exactly. at a time. You know, um, yeah. You know, I don't want to know that Reba McIntyre gets the flu. I you know I just want to see her up there changing <laughs> into the red dress and singing fancy. Yes, <laughs> but. You know, it it is tough. I think one of the toughest things is that no matter what you do in life, you can't control mm-hmm. the future. We can't control where yeah. we're going. Um, you can have a dream and you can put in the work and you can show up every day. But I know there were times that my mom woke up and she didn't feel like having three little kids that were, you know, running around and breaking things or one's wanting this and one's crying and doing all that. <laughs> but that didn't stop her from doing her job and being our mom. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. everybody right. has struggles. I think sometimes it's hard when, because it's different than yeah. what other people do um, that they true. might not understand parts of that. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've had, uh, a lot of moments of, of self-doubt, of mm-hmm. wondering if I'm doing things the right way. Um, and physically, it is, it is tiring and it's hard work. Uh, but I've been so grateful. Next week is actually the 20th anniversary when I moved to Nashville. And, uh, oh, wow. I've been there long enough to see a lot of things. And, um, so you've seen the good, so bad, grateful. and ugly. <laughs> yeah, I feel really grateful to still be loving music and still be mm-hmm. able to do what I'm doing. And um, I do think it's something that I think sometimes people are kind of maybe attracted to what they see is the glitz and glamour of it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and they don't get that there's a lot of boring, hard parts of it too. <laughs> but again, I think that's our job, you know. I don't. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. You got to so take the good. I'm, I'm happy for. Yeah. And that's why we talk about this side of it because, again, you know, for it's not just for the public, but also just sometimes you might have people who want to be an artist come on who are listening to the show. And I want them to understand before they step over that realm. Yes, there's glory there. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Yeah. But there is a lot of grind and sacrifice, struggles, and like you said, self-doubt. There's all that that comes with this. Yeah. I mean, I was a guest speaker at career day at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State, where I went one year and, uh, I was going back, and I hadn't graduated that long before, but I literally pulled into the parking lot and got a text on my phone saying that I was losing my record deal, my first record deal. Oh, wow. And then I had to go in and talk to these young college students who were so excited about their future. And, And yeah, you know, that was at the moment where you want to be like, okay, everybody who's got a plan B, put your hand up. Now go ahead and go and leave and go see your college advisor and figure out how to switch to that major. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, people don't get that. Another thing, too, about, about music is people don't get it that, that if you've got a plan B, and there are some artists that do, when the struggle hits, plan B becomes plan A. And, that, and, that, and that's why a lot of artists don't have that plan B because they know. That if if there is a even a remotely chance of a plan B, the odds go even harder that they're going to ever make it big. Not saying impossible. I mean, I, there are there have been people that have had plan Bs that have made it, but that's very slim that that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be able to still be ready. I mean, it's a very humbling business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you might have to go wait tables or do other things. In the interim wow, stuff to make money or take gigs that aren't necessarily, you know, the bright shiny ones mm-hmm. that you you know tell your tell home about. Um, but yeah, and you know, I don't know Jimmy Bowen, who is a huge country music producer, had a has a famous quote saying that if he if you want to be a star, you have to want it more than anything else you want in your life. And wow. I don't think Love he's talking that. about a star as like. You know the flashy like money, yeah. success, car yeah. kind of thing. But if you want to be successful in that, uh, and, and that's in some ways, thing, really. Yeah, but you're also talking to a girl I mean, that I mean, four years in the well, three and a half years after moving to Nashville, Alan Jackson recorded one of my songs and put it out as a single. Oh and, uh, wow! You know, let's talk so about I, that side I've of been it. Very let's fortunate. go to glory um, side. Yeah, you know I. Growing up, I remember watching the Ralph Emery show on CNN and seeing Reba McIntyre right. and thinking, girls do this too. I was about four years old, and a lot of my <laughs> grandpa's records, it was Johnny Cash and uh, Johnny Horton and a lot of guys that I love. But something uh-huh. just clicked with that and being like, uh, and I remember that moment and thinking, that's what I want to wow. do the rest of my life. And right now, in oh, the wow. Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum, I'm featured in an exhibit with Reba McIntyre. Oh, wow. And... I mean, those are just the kind of things you can't even. When they called and told me that, I thought somebody was punking me. I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's just you can't. In the same way that it's really hard that you can't control the future, you can't plan it out, and you're going to have a lot of frustration, a lot of heartache, because sometimes the things that you think, well, this is what needs to happen, or this is what 
uh, I want. There's also the the amazing part of you couldn't mm-hmm. plan those kind of things, the big awesome things that yeah. happen. I so, definitely get what you're coming from on that because even with our show, you know, this has been the hardest thing that we have ever done with the music. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it's been the most rewarding thing we've ever done. And and, and it's it's like you, 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 we have both extremes here. It's really hard to try because, of course, we want to be like the Bobby Bones of interviews and all that, just like, you know, mm-hmm. y'all want to be the Blakes and Mirandas and all that. Well, we we aspire to be the Bobby Bones or the Ty Bentley. Well, that's probably you know, because and you're that's from that's, Arkansas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Little awesome. there. And, yeah. And, but, but we, so we fully get where y'all are, and that's why I think we make um, really good hosts sometimes because we're in the hunt like y'all are. You know, we don't we don't mm-hmm. have an income, right? I mean, we have we do side jobs and deliver food and all different stuff mm-hmm. right now while we build this crazy music brand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're kind of in the hunt almost like an artist and but we've also had a lot of the rewards that are coming with this from the different types of people that we've interviewed and it's been so awesome it's so amazing it's going places yeah. we can't imagine just like so when you look back on your career at this point tell us a few moments where you're like wow i got to do that and i guess we could start with i get with the 2018 cmt next women of country what was that like it's amazing. Um, you know, I had gotten to a place. I've been really fortunate in my career. I've had so many moments. I was thinking about next week, I want to make like a list of 20 top moments. And I was thinking, well, it's actually oh, well. going to be really easy, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> but, but it's also been hard. And there was definitely a period mm-hmm. of time where I really was, was questioning you know, is this what I should be doing? Am I doing this right? And I had mm-hmm. had a lot of success as a writer, but I always really wanted to sing my own songs. And I'm not yeah. exactly, uh, you know, if you were looking for the paint by number of what Nashville is looking for for the next superstar or, or artist, I don't know that I really fit that. Uh, yeah. But I don't know that anybody really does, you know, until yeah. I remember Keith Urban was saying it. Exactly. And so you, so you just have to keep going. I mean, like somebody told Keith Urban that you're so different and that's going to be your biggest drawback until it's your biggest asset. Wow. Um, which is always really yeah, stuck we, out of my mind. We interviewed, I can't remember the guy's name now. But we interviewed one of the guys that, that was part of the label. And I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, Kenny Chesney was one of them, but it was Kenny Chesney, a couple other big ones where, and, and, and he, cause he was talking about us executives make bad choices too and he's and there was like two or three people that he picked i'm pretty sure kenny chesney was one of them and he made the comment that he said that'll never work and uh-huh. he's like and he was telling us on air he goes boy was that a mistake <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. well and that's one of the hardest things about this business and a lot of things in life you're the only uh-huh. one who's going to be able to carry that torch for you forever yeah you know, you've got to keep believing in yourself even when nobody else does. Uh, but Most as far as moments, on that. I mean, I uh, my biggest dream was to get to play the Grand Ole Opry, and I've been able to do that nine times now. And what um, was that like so that first time when you walked to that sort through your head? 
Man, it was uh, kind of wild. It seemed a little bit like a movie set, but I'll tell you what, I had actually been working there till the week up before mm-hmm. I ended up playing there. Um, oh, wow. Because I wanted to get recentered. I felt like I had mm-hmm. gotten a little bit in, like, too much in the business mind of the music and the kind of things that can kind of twist up your mind and your thinking on stuff instead of remembering just the love and the passion mm-hmm. for the music. And the Opry's what yeah. started that for me. So I went and got a job as a hostess out there, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, wow. Uh, a oh, lot wow. of the other hostess that were working there had been working there since the 70s, and they had amazing stories. Um, <laughs> and it was great. It was amazing to see fans from all over the world and, you know, just with that light in their eyes of being so excited to be at the Opry, mm-hmm. see the Opry, see their favorite singers and see the responses from the artists, from people. And, also, you know, I got recognized a few times there, which was wild to me. I mean, I wrote mm-hmm. a song for Luke Bryan, You Don't Know Jack, and uh, these three girls, probably maybe 17, 18 years old, were coming through my ticket line, and they start freaking out. And I was like, oh, are you all big Jason Aldean fans? Because he was playing that night, and they were like, no, you wrote mm-hmm. You Don't Know Jack. And I was like, what are you talking Like, how do you even know this? <laughs> and those moments are some of my favorite moments. I mean, when I wrote Monday Morning uh-huh. Church, this was before mm-hmm. social media really was popular mm-hmm. or anything. And this woman somehow tracked me down, wrote a letter and sent it to my publisher and said, my husband died last year. And I felt so mm-hmm. alone and so sad and angry with God. And that made me feel guilty and, and all these emotions. And hearing that song made me feel like I wasn't alone. Wow. And that's so powerful to mm-hmm. me. Um, and those Love moments that. make my life as much as getting to be on stage and singing with Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, which was also one of the best moments of my life. And makes all the sacrifices worthwhile. Yeah. And to me, that's the biggest thing about music. You know, I said about being an introverted extrovert. I love being mm-hmm. in music because I get to meet so many people and hear their stories. And there's no way uh-huh. that I would be able to communicate with people and have that easy conversation without the music because we already yeah. have something to connect over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, we, that's like with our show, you know, S- Sandy really loves music. I love hearing people's stories and talking, mm-hmm. of course. And, and so we, I mean, we couldn't ask for a better show to where we're interviewing artists who are rising, having them tell parts of their story. Having them tell stories. I mean, we 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 pinch ourselves every night that we get to do this. Yes, we love it so much. It's it's awesome to just find those things that just make you smile, you know, mm-hmm. make you happy. It's simple, but I think that's what that's what makes life really. Yep. And, it does. Uh, the 2018 and, deal, I will say mm-hmm. that um, that was a really amazing turning point for me. Uh, Leslie Fram, who runs CMT, mm-hmm. chose me to be a part of that program. And she's such, been such an awesome advocate for all artists and for female artists in particular. And um, nobody, I'm, including myself, expected me to be in that. And it gave me such... Yeah an awesome platform 
to have somebody who's that respected in the business to put their name behind you, to put their stamp on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed mm-hmm. me then to go and try to book a bunch of shows, and I could say that I was a 2018 CMT Next Women of Country yep. class. Yep, they and can't never they take might that not away. know me. Yeah, but they see that in the title of the email, and so maybe from the 50 emails I, they got that day, if people want to play, they say, well, I know what CMT is. I'll click on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> mhm. Lo- love and, that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was actually you know, uh, going to be on the CMT tour this year with Tanya Tucker, but unfortunately that's been rescheduled. Oh. But next year, hopefully, then I will be. Oh. <laughs> oh well, wow. Wow. So hopefully next year that does work out. You know, that that this has been one of rough years where so many great highlights just ain't going to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> but so many highlights have happened, which is really cool, and and. Speaking of that, I think it was a great time. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and play your song, I Can Be Your Whiskey, and we love that song. Just love Thank that you. song. And then we're going to come back and talk about that. How's that sound? That sounds great. Now you hang on the line. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a backstage pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The backstage pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. One kiss came 
Love that song. Yes, Thank great you. song. Thank you so much. So tell us the story behind that song and how they're coming together. I wrote that with a friend of mine, Sarah Siskin. She's an amazing artist. Um, and I actually met her through a band she had called the Old, the Old Kettle mm. um, that was awesome. And um, mm. we got together to write, and uh, I'd had that idea. And honestly, and it's funny, sometimes you remember the stories really vividly. Sometimes you alter them a little bit to, to be better. But uh, yeah. I don't remember yeah. exactly where I got that idea from, but I brought it uh-huh. in, and Sarah just totally, you know, sometimes when you go into a write, you get on the same train, and sometimes you don't. But we both got locked in sights and got on the same wavelength and uh, and wrote that. And I just love how it came together. And um, and a little bluegrass love the feel, recording. I love that. Yeah, and that's yeah. John Randall singing harmonies on there. He's so amazing. He's one of my favorite artists and writers. And you know, again, as far as cool things like I was playing his songs at coffee houses in Arkansas when I was in high school, and yeah. to get to have him sing harmonies, you know, on my record. <laughs> uh, when I'm full, when I'm full circle, things. Uh, yeah. Love that. Now, one thing we like to do on the show <laughs> that I think they don't get enough love is the people behind artists. You know, a lot of fans, they see the artists, but they don't see the PR people. They don't see the producers, mm-hmm. the managers, any of that. And me and you yeah. both know that, that it takes a team to make the artist better. Um, so yeah. I always like to give a few minutes to where the, let, allow the artists to just talk about your team. So if you want to take a few minutes to tell us the team that helps you be who you are. Yeah, you know um... – well, I'll start at the beginning with a couple of shout-outs and say that Walt Wilkins, who's a great artist and writer out of Texas, he agreed to take me to meet a couple of uh, publishers back when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I met Scott Gunner and Chris Oglesby, and they were both amazing. They'd let me come in once a month and play them songs and give them feedback. Um, wow. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this, like, I find that a lot of people, they don't really want feedback. They just want someone to tell them that, oh, that's great. You know, so should cut that tomorrow. But I've always really enjoyed finding those people that will be honest with you because they care about you and they care about Mm -hmm. your music. And uh, so they always gave me really interesting things to think about uh, with the songs that I wrote and brought in. And I mean, I brought Monday Morning Church in, I think, the same time I brought in a song about my cat. So who knows what my brain was thinking, but uh, they made a huge difference to me. And I met a woman named Reese Spa who uh, was doing a talk on artist development at ASCAP, which is one of the PROs that represent songwriters. Mm-hmm. And uh, she let me come play her some songs. And uh, I played her some songs that probably I shouldn't have played her. They're <laughs> very dark <laughs> and out of the box. And, um, you know, she said, okay, we'll go back, work on them, whatever. And, I was going to school at NTSU at the time, and I had a, I had so many amazing professors there that really helped to guide and, and shape what I do. And one of them was doing a lecture series class, and she said, um, well, Reese is actually coming in to talk to the class next week. Would you be willing to do a mock meeting with her in front of the class? You'd have to play a oh, song wow. in front of the class, but it'd give you a chance 
to play her one more song. And I did, yeah. and I played her Monday morning church. And she introduced me yeah. to her boss, Jeff Carlson, who became my first publisher. And he actually uh, ended up taking money out of his own pocket to go demo five songs of mine, which included Monday Morning Church, and uh, got that song cut. And he did so much to mold my career and just how I, I work as a writer and an artist, too. He was one of those rare people who was always willing to share not only his knowledge, but his relationships his contacts, mm-hmm. everything. You know, he would take me to meetings at the uh, record labels to show me how he pitched songs. Yeah. Wow. And, um, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And, uh, I've worked with a lot of people throughout the years. Uh, when I released Whiskey Town Crier, uh, just before I did, I got hooked up with a guy named Robbie Goldsmith, who is an entrepreneur and, uh, he knows all the things about technology that make my brain hurt. And uh, <laughs> so he really has helped me to learn how to become friends with social media, how to embrace that and and use that um, to share my music and has been huge uh, in that part of my life. Mm-hmm. And with this latest record, I ended up signing um, with a label called Blaster Records. Derek Simon runs out of Nashville, and uh, he helped me bring this project to life in a way that I never could have done on my own. Wow. And um, working with him, I've been able to work with E.B. McFarland and, and, uh, as a publicist who is incredible. Mm-hmm. She works with Ashley yeah, McBride awesome. and Eric Church and other artists that I really admire, and they work their butts off over there. Um and I just signed up with True Grit this year uh, for booking, and so I'm really oh, cool. excited about that. <clears throat> I've been out a bunch with my friend Sunny Sweeney, and uh, she's been awesome. I love her music. I love what she does, and she it's it's really cool as an artist to get to go out with somebody else and watch their show every night um, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see how they kind of play off different audiences and. Uh, do their thing. Yeah. Then you can learn from that. My people. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And, and, you know, speaking of um, the whole team, we kind of got a, we kind of got a third party team that we consider a a third co-host. We eight-year-old. We always let him (laughs) come on and ask one question. He comes on every episode and asks one question each of the artists. In fact, we're rebranding the show soon, and he's going to be branded into that a little bit. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and we got a 17-month-old daughter that when she gets older, you know, when she can hold a conversation, we will throw her into. <laughs> now, see, that sometimes that can be dangerous. Kids, you know, they got no fear. They all ask the most direct questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, with him, with, with our eight-year-old, we, we, we've got a. He asks the same question to every artist, so it's prepared. He does. He's got a little pad on here. That's perfect. Here he is. Here's Christopher. Hi, Aaron. What's Hello, your favorite food? My favorite food? Yeah. Oh man, I don't know. There's too many favorites. <laughs> um, I love hamburgers. 
although if I had to choose, like, one type of food, which would be easier for me, I think, I, if I could only eat one type of food for the rest of my life, I think it would be Mexican food. Mm. That sounds good. But then I love so many other things. <laughs> and what's yours look good? Yeah. Pizza. Pizza. Pizza is awesome. I love it. <laughs> Do you ever make your they own pizza, Christopher? Not yet. <laughs> now he's going to be pushing us to make one <laughs> yeah you ever heard of the songwriter pizza yeah you take a, take a piece of white bread some ketchup packets and a slice of Velveeta cheese and warm it up in the microwave that's what that's about what your budget for pizza is in the beginning of your career <laughs> <laughs> bye thanks bye <laughs> Yeah, he always loves that part. There's been a few episodes that he's not been on because artists had to cut out early, and so right. he kind of uh-huh. didn't get on. But and he and he doesn't and he gets upset sometimes. But he's kind of branded into us now because because what sometimes he's we'll be listening to the lives. Yep. What's mm-hmm. funny is we'll be listening to lives of some of the artists we interview, and if they talk about our show, about being interviewed on our show, they always mention him. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, I learned a long time ago never follow children or animals. <laughs> children's rule, isn't it? Y'all are brave. Y'all are really brave. <laughs> I always joke that, well, he's our secret weapon, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I know yeah. we're memorable, but he makes us really memorable. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so if you could co write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh man, uh, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, I think Cindy Walker might be a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love her stuff and I love her melodies, so I'd love to be able to write yeah. a melody like that. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as as great at that part, and plus, he's just such a fantastic storyteller and speaker. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just listening to her write a song would be amazing. That would be cool. So, um, and, and of course, the question I'm about to ask is probably you have a thousand answers, but just think of the first answer that comes to mind. Um, but what is a song out there that you've heard and you thought, I wish I wrote that? Oh, I can tell you that. My favorite song ever is uh, Poncho and Lefty. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I know that's like really shooting for the moon to be like, ah, I wish I wrote Poncho and Lefty, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good song. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love the imagery in it and the story. Mm-hmm. and I love it. Some of my favorite writing, I love William Faulkner, and I love mm-hmm. how he'll go from one par- one chapter to another chapter and switch characters' point of view. And Poncho and Lefty kind of does that, too. You kind of, you think you've got it. At the beginning of it, you're like, okay, I see who the good guy is and the bad guy, and I get this whole storyline. But then it flips it around a little bit on you, and it's like, eh, don't be so fast. You know, there's another story here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's just like the the Gabby Barrett, I hope. I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, okay, this is a different women's. Because, you know, usually the women is bashing the men. And, so, and I thought, okay, this is different. And then, of course, it got to the chorus. Okay, still different. It's still like uplifting her ex. 
And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then she comes back with, and then I hope she cheats on you like you did. I was like, okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think that's probably because women are usually dating men. I'm sure if I was dating women, I'd have plenty of songs about them too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but, yeah, but I love songs worried. with He's the like, twist. You got so many of these songs in here, people are going to think I'm a jerk. I'm like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> I love that. So I'm about to ask a question. And I have a purpose for the way I ask it, and I'll explain that right after I ask it. But if you had a magic wand, and <clears throat> what you're about to say would 100% come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it in this way is we asked that same question to Kelsey Ballerini five years ago, or from this past February, made five-year anniversary. And at that time, she told, the answer she gave us was almost to the T of what she's living right now. I mean, you couldn't have picked. And I always like to tell that story to open artists' minds up. A, a lot can happen in five years. And, and to be mm-hmm. honest, you've got a stronger foundation right now than she had back then. So... Who knows? I love Kelsey. I remember meeting her when she first moved to town and going to a little block party with her and a friend of mine, Forrest oh, Whitehead. Wow. And, uh, she's just one of the sweetest people and hard worker. Oh, wow. and I love it. And I'm yes. um, yeah. really excited to see all the success that's happened for her. So um, it happened for her. It, can, it definitely can happen to you. So if all bets were off, where would you be in five years? Um, you know, I think first and foremost, I just want to still be in love with music and making music. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. Um, because I think that kind of helps put everything else in the job in perspective. Yeah. Because um, you got to mm-hmm. love what you do. Yeah, and just, you know, even being able to have the the ability to, to do it is a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to be playing theaters, making more records, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, and playing the Opry more, I mean, someday, I guess, it's kind of tough, there's definitely stuff I still want to do, and I have so much to do left as an artist, but honestly, yeah. if I stop today, so many of my huge dreams have come true, I've gotten to play the Opry, I've gotten yeah. to tour with my heroes, I've had my heroes sing my songs. You know, Reba recorded one of my songs on her last album. Wow. I um, love that. You know, I've gotten right with Terry Clark. She's recorded seven of my songs now. Um, oh, wow. I've got to be out on the road and playing for folks and and doing that. I just, mm-hmm. maybe like the hotels would be a little bit better and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sound systems would be just a little bit clearer. There you like, go. That's, yeah. That's all I really need. Um <laughs> and someday my biggest dream that I haven't had come true yet, if I was ever to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry, that's the number one oh, thing. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would really be awesome. Now, as you look into the future, um, and let's say that you're, you're five years in, ten, ten years in, person you are now could meet your future self, what would you tell her? Um. I, like that's interesting because I think it might depend on what my future self was doing. Let, uh, let's say that you're living, you're still living the music dream. Let's say that you're actually bigger than you've ever been. 
and let's say the dreams are coming true. So you're the star right then. What would you tell her? I think, like, I have a motto kind of that's one one fan at a time, meaning that... Oh, I love that. Don't don't try to get too worried about the big, huge things. I definitely, like, I make those goals, too, and I, and I have those dreams. But if you can mm-hmm. focus on the one person you're singing to, the one person yeah. that you're getting a sign an autograph mm-hmm. for, uh, if you can focus on that one person that you're trying to move with a song, whether it be to get up and dance or to, uh, you know, let go of their emotions about something that's affected their life, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you see Garth Brooks, I mean, Garth Brooks, when I was working backstage for a production company in Nashville in college, working in the uh, Country Music Awards, you know, Garth Brooks is there. He's just nominated for Entertainer of the Year or whatever. I'm working. I'm a grunt, making sure that whoever I'm assigned to, if they need food or water or anything, I go get that for them. He's not even my yeah. artist that I'm assigned to. He comes by and goes, hey, how are you doing? I appreciate you working here today to be a part of this. Wow. He didn't have to do that. Wow. <laughs> but he, you know, mm-hmm. he gets that. And that it's all about those connections and uh, yeah, yeah, that root of love and music and everything. And any situation you're in, love, that's going to make it a good one. Yeah, I definitely love that and what you're talking about there. And we've got two more questions, and we'll let you get out of here and get back to what you were doing. But um, if you um, – let's say you have a friend of yours, and you heard him or her sing. And let's say they got something special. There's definitely something there. And let's say they've mm-hmm. played maybe 30 shows. So they're still getting their feet wet on the performance side. Um, but they've gotten on stage, and they got what every artist gets, that stage bug. And they look at the crowd, crowds cheering and roaring for them. And they just know they're in the right place. And they come to you and they say, Aaron, I feel like I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What mm-hmm. advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? Um, man, definitely continuing to play, to get out there and do that is huge. And I think maybe some – I mean, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to give advice, but – thoughts from my experience I spent a lot of years waiting for someone else to tell me uh, to give me permission mm-hmm. to be an artist to be able to put out records or do a lot of these different things and it's amazing now because you had you have a lot of tools as an independent artist that you didn't have 20 years ago yeah. um, mm-hmm. but you know I would just say like you don't need someone to give you permission. If you're an artist, if you feel that, if this is what you want to do, then do it. Yeah. Just do it, you know, and go play those shows and write those songs, put that music out, do a music video, do those things. And they might not be perfect, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You can grow with it. Because um, mm-hmm. it's intimidating, especially like if in your, if you're in somewhere like, Nashville or other music centers, I remember moving to Nashville and just the level of craft there. I mean, you're surrounded by the best. And that can be really Mm -hmm. intimidating, especially when you're starting out. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, I felt like when I had the Alan Jackson song that came out, I felt like everybody was looking at me for what's next and that every single thing had to be that good. You know, everybody had to be, everything had to be that. And I was like, well, I don't even know how I did that in the first place. So I don't know how to do it again, you know. Um, And, you know, following your heart and trying to learn the business, but just doing things that that move you and get out there and doing it. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I think, the best thing that that you can be doing. (laughs) You know, Jamie Johnson, he co-produced my last two records and, He's given me mm-hmm. some advice, and he's given me some advice that Willie Nelson gave him. So I have secondhand Willie Nelson advice. Oh wow! Uh, but <laughs> um, he said, you know, you're never going to play for fewer people. Every time you go out and play a show, you play somebody your song. That's one more person that's heard you. That's one more person that's going to sure. know you, and that's what really matters because the people that connect with your music, that they start, you know, being on team whoever, uh, mm-hmm. Team Aaron in my case, that, you know, that's, that's what matters. Uh, record deals yeah. and publishing deals and all that stuff, that's nice. But you build that fan base, you connect with people, um, they're going to be there for you. They're going to support you. Yeah. Love that. And it's so true. So as we come down to a close and have the last question here, what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? <laughs> um, man, uh, I don't know. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we always end with that one because we've actually helped build our show around this one question because every now and then an artist will say a qu- what they wish they would be asked. And we're like, ooh, the, like about 70, 80 interviews back, Francel said, mm-hmm. I just wish somebody would ask what's quirky about me. And we love that so much. That that's every episode. Yeah. We're like, you know, that. Now, now, granted, when I'm interviewing a guy, we, um, we kind of change a little bit to say what's unusual about you because I, I don't think uh-huh. they go over really good. Oh, what's quirky about you? You know, for <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, man. that's been in every since. I don't know. I'm sure my cat would want me me to ask more about him, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I don't know. Um, maybe like I love Mm -hmm. talking about music that's inspired me. Maybe like a favorite concert I've seen or something like that. So I guess answer that one for yourself real quick. Let's let's go there a little bit, and then we'll and then we'll end. All right. Well, man, I've got a lot of them. But when I first moved to town, I got to go to the 75th Opry anniversary show, and I was working mm-hmm. as a seat filler. Uh, you know, because when they're televising things, they don't want to. You know, sometimes the artists or different people that are sitting right up front, they get up and they don't want it to look like there's just yeah. nobody sitting there watching the show. Yeah. And uh, so I got to sit in the the fourth row and watch the entire show because nobody from this artist oh, well. ever came out there. And I got to see mm. Reba McIntyre and George Jones and Johnny yeah. Russell and Jeannie Feely and tons of people that um, I had gotten to see some live music growing up, but that was really uh, when I when I went to college and moved to Nashville, I got to see so start seeing so much live music, and that was just it was incredible. Wow, I love that. 
<clears throat> so as we end here, tell everybody how they can reach you. Yeah, you can find me on all the social medias. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Aaron Enderlin Music, Instagram, Aaron Enderlin, Twitter, Aaron Enderlin, AaronEnderlin.com, um, on all the streaming services and everything. And my last name is E-N-D-E-R-L-I-N. Um, so I know it's a little, Love that. Little, little tricky to spell there, but... <laughs> So we really enjoyed having you on the show today, and we yes. definitely look forward to having you back down the road. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was our pleasure, and we look forward to the day down the road. So we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Thank you all. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.